The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This episode is brought to you by Pill Club. Pill Club is a birth control auto delivery service that prescribes and delivers up to a year's worth of birth control for free if you have insurance and $3.99 per pack without. They carry 120 brands of birth control and their medical team of doctors and nurses will be ready to guide members through every step. Pill Club empowers women by saving them time and money when it comes to birth control because it's just not fair that 100% of the burden is on the women. Not only do you get your birth control, but you also get free wellness gifts, delicious candy, and cute stickers with every delivery. You can sign up for Pill Club at thepillclub.com slash skinny. That's thepillclub.com slash skinny. This episode is brought to you by Ritual. You guys know I'm a human guinea pig and I'm still here taking Ritual and loving it, okay? It's filled with iron, vitamin E, magnesium, folate, and omega-3 kind of everything. It's made in the USA without synthetic fillers. 95% of women do not get the vitamins and minerals they need on a daily basis. So Ritual created a smarter vitamin with the nine essential ingredients women lack most. Go to ritual.com slash skinny today to choose clean ingredients backed by science. Sign up now at ritual.com slash skinny. She's a lifestyle blogger extraordinaire. Fantastic. And he's a serial entrepreneur. A very smart cookie. And now Lauren Everts and Michael Bostick are bringing you along for the ride. Get ready for some major realness. Welcome to the Skinny Confidential, him and her. Aha! I always ask myself why. Like, why am I doing this? What is my purpose? And really, I think it's... If I'm not helping someone, whether it be to feel great about themselves in an outfit or to feel like they have the best skin and they can like conquer their job interview, or if it's just to simply feel like human, like a shitty mom, like everyone else, then that's helping them as well. So I always ask, why am I doing this? Um, Who am I helping? And for me, I just don't want to create content just to create content. Hey, hey guys, it's Lauren and Michael from The Skinny Confidential. Him and her podcast, welcome back to the show. On this episode, we sit down with Chriselle Lim. She is a blogger, a badass, and an entrepreneur, and we're going to get into it. We discuss influencer marketing, parenting, and even controlling your own platform and how important that is. Oh, hi, Michael Bostick. I like your hairdo today. It's a little different. What's up, everybody? Yeah, I've been wearing a hat today. My hair's getting long. Got a haircut coming up, so I like f- when it's like that. Let it let it flow, huh? Let it go wild. It gives me something to pull on. Oh wow! All right, <laughs> let's say no more. I'm a little delirious. Can you tell? Um, no, I like where you're going with it. Okay, pull that hair. All right. Um, so this episode is with Chriselle Lim. Like I said, she is a badass influencer. And before we get into this, I wanted to talk about something that Michael and I were talking about over the weekend. We had an in-depth conversation about it. It was about the difference between attracting an audience and chasing an audience. Well, I think this could be, I mean, this could be said for anything, but I, I like where you're going. Let's, 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 let's go with it. We could also talk about this when it comes to a relationship too. This, this totally applies to it. Well, I think this goes for both professional, intimate, and just friendships. Like I think it goes into any relationship. You never want to be, you don't ever want to be chasing. Also that goes for sales too. You don't want to be chasing. You don't want to be desperate. No. And examples of chasing an audience are asking people to follow you, asking for liking backs, doing comment pods. That's, that feels like you're chasing people. Whereas attracting someone is more of really putting out a vibe that you are a resource or you're providing value and letting them sort of come to you. So whether you're trying to grow your Instagram following or you're trying to attract a guy or girl, you want to understand, I think, the difference between attracting an audience and chasing one. It's completely different. So we talk a lot on this episode about controlling platforms, and it's something that's come up on this show multiple times. I'll say it once, I'll say it again. A lot of high achievers have said it on this show. You want to be building content on platforms that you control, whether that's a podcast, a newsletter, a blog. Now, let me elaborate. You do not control Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I'm sick of hearing all these people whining about algorithm changes or platform changes. I can't hear one more thing about the algorithm. I don't even look at the algorithm. Who's algorithm? Or even even worse, my engagement's gone down because my content's not being served. It's this saturated. is exactly saturated. It's exactly what I've been talking about. What what people on this show have been talking about. What we dive into this episode, talk about about controlling platforms. The beautiful thing about controlling a blog is you control it. Nobody can take it away. 
Nobody can change an algorithm. It's yours. Same thing with podcasts. If you have a podcast, you can distribute it to Apple, Spotify, Google. You know, people ask me all the time in the podcast space, who do you want to win? Do you want it to be Apple? Do you want it to be Spotify, SoundCloud? I don't give a shit. I really don't care. All I care is that people are listening and they can choose whatever listening platform they want. All I know is that we control and distribute to all of them. Same thing with a newsletter, right? You can distribute that to anyone's inbox immediately. Nobody's putting you at the mercy of an algorithm. If you are building a business right now solely on Instagrams and that's the only thing you're relying on to bring brand deals, to sell your products, whatever it is, you are building a house of cards and it'll change. The same thing happened to me early on Facebook when I thought, hey, I can advertise on here and nobody's ever going to get involved. And then boom, became a saturated space, algorithms change, and I had to readjust and fully change my business model. So all I'm saying on this episode, guys, really think about platforms that you can control. I agree with that. And even furthermore, you want to go where attention goes and you want to pivot and you want to pivot fast. You don't want to wait around to see what's going to happen with the engagement rate and the algorithm. Like Michael said, you want to be able to be malleable, pivot. I know I'm coming on strong here. I know I'm coming on strong. And there's a lot of people that are probably like, oh my God, this guy's really in my face about this. But it's because I want everyone to be very, very aware about building on platforms they can control. Because if not, you're at the mercy of algorithms and platform change and your business can get disrupted. I agree. And just on that note, Chriselle Lim is a really, really good example of someone who knows that she needs to be able to control her own platforms. And she also has a clothing line that she just launched too, which is pretty major. She's built a really strong brand. She's an example of someone who's built a house of brick, not a house of straw. Uh, with that, let's welcome Chriselle Lim to the show. Chriselle is a lifestyle and beauty blogger. She's a digital influencer. She's a mom and the founder of the Chriselle Factor. She also has a team, guys, and I had to pick her brain about that. With that, let's welcome Chriselle to the Skinny Confidential, him and her show. You know, it has been a solid month since I've had one sip of coffee. And let me tell you why this has been possible for me. A little company called Four Sigmatic never thought I could wean myself off coffee, but I did. Americans drink a ton of coffee. Chances that if you're listening to this podcast, you're drinking, you're a big coffee drinker because 64% of Americans drink coffee. Not surprising data there. I was one of them. I'll probably go back at some point, but right now I don't need it. What was surprising to me is that Americans are not the biggest coffee drinkers in the world. Data shows that Finland, Lauren, Finland are the biggest coffee drinkers. And data also shows that Finland is supposedly the happiest country in the world. Not sure where that data comes from, but it's there. Coffee, happiness, correlation. Looks like it. So the Finns know their shit when it comes to coffee. I know Michael's all up in the Four Sigmatic coffee, but I am doing a plot twist because they just launched skincare. I've talked about this superfood serum on the podcast before, but it is life-changing. I first started trying it when we were in Finland with Four Sigmatic, and basically it's this serum that you can also eat which is so crazy, guys. It's edible, but it deeply, deeply hydrates your skin. Like you're going to feel really, really smooth. I like to put it on at night and there's essential fatty acids in it from avocado oil. They have like an olive fruit oil in it and it just balances your natural oils. You can just really tell that your skin is like maintaining that youthful elasticity, which we all want. So yeah, yes, get the coffee, Michael. I agree with you. The coffee's a must, but also while you're at it, drop some serum into your cart, okay? And this is a good product to use to start your husband on or your boyfriend. And then to top it off, get him a nice mushroom coffee as well. Guys, I'm telling you, you can't go wrong with this stuff. It's very affordable, very effective. Mushrooms are some of the best superfoods on the planet. And guys, we have, just as always, a special offer for you guys to get an even better deal on Four Sigmatic products. Go to foursigmatic.com skinny and enter promo code skinny for 15% off your entire order. Again, that's foursigmatic.com skinny and promo code skinny for 15% off your entire order. And for those of you skeptics out there, check out some of our episodes with Taro. He's been on this show multiple times times and uh he's the best this is the skinny confidential him and her get my good side <laughs> good thing i didn't roll is up my in my extension pajamas <laughs> chriselle hi hi i'm so excited to be here we're so excited to have you i have something very serious to ask you okay go for it i have a pimple right now mm-hmm. what's your cure Okay, so I'm going to give you a home remedy, but okay. you have to look on my mom's Instagram. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, that's going deep. I love it. It's, I love your mom's Instagram already. Her Instagram is Oma Lim. Oma means mom in Korean. 
And she makes these homemade lemon soju pads. Soju is a Korean, like a rice alcohol. So she soaks it in and ferments it. So it's, you probably can't use it now. I, I sh- should have brought a pair because I actually have like a full jar in my fridge. And you just apply the soaked lemon soju toner pad onto your skin on that pimple and it will immediately disappear within probably 24, 48 hours. I'm going to your mom's Instagram right after that. I, I think I might go to the mom's Instagram. I, Michael loves skincare. I do have to say you have some of the most beautiful skin I've ever seen in here. Oh, thank you. It, that it looks means like so you much. stay out of the sun. I try my best. I am kind of that typical Asian mom where I like see the sun and I like put my hat over and like cover myself up as ridiculous as I look. Um, I try to do that for my skin. (laughs) I love it. I hate the sun. Never in it. Okay. So I want you to take us back to when you were first inspired to start creating content. What did that time look like? Give us all the nitty gritty. So it was back in 2010 when I first started my YouTube channel and it was just out of my college dorm room. Actually, yeah, it was my college dorm room. And I actually met Michelle Fawn. Did you follow Michelle Fawn back in the day? Yeah. So I met her and we just hit it off. And she was like, I make YouTube videos. I'm like, what's that? And she showed me. And then I researched if anyone was doing fashion videos and no one was doing it at the time. So I asked Michelle to help me make my first fashion video. And it was literally just like me and her with the camera. And then she taught me how to edit on like the macbook pro it was like really just the basic editing and then i uploaded my first video out of my my dorm room what kind of video did that look like it was like how was the light does it still exist it does it does i've been wanting to go back and just delete all of my old videos because it's so embarrassing you gotta keep it (laughs) it shows how much you've evolved i know but everyone's like don't do it because i have like really embarrassing videos like i dressed up as harry potter to do a tutorial on like how to be like harry potter Harry Potter inspired fashion. Um, I did a Nicki Minaj DIY Halloween costume. So that's how it all started. And people was, they were dying over that content because there was really no one teaching them how to like do it out of your own home. And it was really interesting. So my very first video was how to tie a scarf. And that just kind of went viral overnight. And that's when I was like, oh, wow, there's something here. Like people are wanting this content. So I just kept making videos and I realized that making videos, especially when you're doing it by yourself, like it's just hard to edit videos and film them and dish out so much, so many videos. So I started my blog in conjunction to that. And that was in 2010. I can see why that went viral. I have to be honest. I've actually looked up YouTube, how to tie a scarf because I couldn't figure it out. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know to flip it over. (laughs) Might've been one of your early viewers. Who knows? You never know. (laughs) So how has the digital space evolved since you started? It's evolved so much. I think when I first started and especially the, like the crop of girls that started around the same time, they did it for fun. Like we never thought it could become a business and it was just a passion project. And now that the space has evolved so much and there's obviously lots of opportunities with brands and such, I also feel like, you know, people start sometimes for the wrong reason, which is just to make money. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think you really have to have the core and the love for creating content because as you guys know, it takes a lot of time and hard work and you can't just dish out like just shitty content. I always say when people email me and they say, hey, Lauren, I'm going to start a blog. How do I make money? Mm-hmm. I have like a whole written thing that says you need to completely refine your intention yeah. of why you're doing this because um, it's not a get rich quick scheme. I mean, I didn't make a dime for three years and I was doing it seven Same. days a week. We Same. were talking about Dear Media when you, when you came in kind of off the, off the record. And when we talk to people that want to do a podcast and their first question is, OK, I need to do this, but how do I make money? And I'm like, listen, to the, the first question is to be how do I build a great show? to acquire a great audience. Yeah. Because if you don't do that, then nobody's going to give you any money. And if you do do the first thing, then everybody's going to try to give you money. And it's, then your problem becomes, what do you say yes yeah. to? What do you say no to? I always say the why has to be bigger than the what. So if the reason is like, I want to make money, then your why isn't strong enough. Um, so 
yeah, I always tell girls to like, you have to really just love it. You have to love creating content for people. You have to have a specific message. And also going back to the first, the question that you guys asked about like, how has it evolved? I think back then when I first started, it was all about curation. It was all about like being perfectly curated and showing like your best moments. But now I think Instagram and also just YouTube, it's just evolved into a, a platform where people want to see the in-betweens of your life. They don't really want to just see the perfect moments and they want to see how you get there. So we've really just kind of transformed our brand from being super produced, super polished, making like epic fashion videos to now like my shittiest moments on YouTube <laughs> where I'm like in my pajamas breastfeeding and like they they love to connect on a more human level. So I think just the just in general with media, I think they want more realness. What are some of those in-between moments besides breastfeeding, which I love? What is there? Is there moments that you have really seen that have resonated with your audience that are maybe, you said shitty moments. What are those? Yeah. So I talked about, I found out that I was pregnant with my first. I actually had a miscarriage before, but I didn't tell anyone. But then as we are filming my pregnancy announcement, I naturally just started talking about my miscarriage and I just started crying and it was not planned at all. It was just something that was on my heart and I felt like I needed to talk to my my followers about it and just get it out of my system for myself. And I was so nervous about putting that message out there about miscarriage because it's very just a taboo topic. And the flood of just comments and messages of other women going through the same thing. I mean, there were women that were like, I've had three miscarriages and I haven't told anyone. Like, this is my first time coming out with it. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. So I think just being very vulnerable and real with people, they they love that. And they're able to really connect, especially the people that have gone through similar situations. So that's one example. Another example is just yesterday, I felt really shitty about myself because I worked all day and I couldn't, I didn't see my daughter at all, my six month old. So I just filmed an IGTV just talking about how shitty I felt and how I've, I have this whole mom guilt. And so many women were like, thank you for making this. I felt the same way today. And this like made me feel better. So I think just sharing those vulnerable moments, um, for me, that's that's me being a true influencer because then I'm actually able to help and influence women to feel better about themselves. And it's not just only about how to look pretty. How, I mean, although that is important and that's part of my brand, I think having that deeper connection is really, really important for me. It's a human connection. Mm-hmm. Humanized. Right? All the, a lot of the other stuff can sometimes feel unattainable. Right? Yeah. And so when you feel that way, there's going to be resentment that builds up. But when you can connect with an influencer or a person, anybody that can connect with you on a human level and make you feel heard, then of course you're going to get people to rally around you. Yeah. And I always, you know, for me as an influencer, since I've been doing this for over 10 years now, I always ask myself why, like, why am I doing this? What is my purpose? And really, I think it's if I'm not helping someone, whether it be to feel great about themselves in an outfit or to feel like they have the best skin and they could like conquer their job interview. Or if it's just to simply feel like human, like a shitty mom, like everyone else, then that's helping them as well. So I always ask, why am I doing this? Um, Who am I helping? And for me, I just don't want to create content just to create content. Have you ever read that book, Start With Why by Simon Sinek? I haven't. You're basically saying exactly what the book points out is like figuring out your why and your purpose before you dive into anything else in the business and it's like it's funny if you haven't read it you should because you'll, you'll read it like oh my god you're, you're literally saying the exact same oh thing god. that this guy has theorized but it's important it's a good he's book. a big reader he'll be recommending books i'm sure oh amazing like every second can you elaborate on the mom guilt because i can i'm, I'm not a mom but i can imagine how it, it you're so busy i mean you're, you're running a business, you've got a husband. What is What does the mom guilt feel like and look like? Yeah, so I had mom guilt with my first and it just feels, it, it's really just the shittiest feeling because you want to give it your all and you feel like you're giving it your all, but then 
you feel like you should be at home, but you're conflicted because you want to work. But then when you're at work, you want to be at home. And it's just this constant weight that's on your shoulder. And what I realized is as I talk to all moms, no matter if they're a stay-at-home mom or if they're a working mom, if they're a part-time worker, it doesn't matter who, it, it, it happens to all women. So I think... I think I've realized that it's just women and how we view ourselves. And it's more than a situation of I'm a mom now and I feel guilty. And yes, that is part of it. But I think it's all self-inflicted. And we as women always feel like we can do more and give more and, you know, just keep running. And that's just a really unhealthy mentality. So I've been trying to tell myself to, you know, give myself a little break here and, you know, commend myself for doing my best for the day. But there are days like yesterday where I'm like, oh, I wish I could be at home with Colette, you know, but I work. And the thing is, I run my own business like you guys do. And I choose to leave my daughter at home. I could technically bring her with me. And I do sometimes because, you know, like, for moments, for content, just or just because I want to be with her, especially when I was breastfeeding, um, I would bring her around more. But now that I'm not, I choose to leave her at home when I could actually choose her to be with me. And for me, that's why I feel so guilty. But I know that I won't be at my hundred and I won't be able to give it my all at work if I'm distracted by this cute, cute little girl next to me. And same thing with my team. Well, and do you think and, Sounds and listen, like how I'm going to be as a mom. <laughs> we don't we don't have children, so maybe this maybe we can't relate fully yet. But do you think that you could be happy as an indiv- as a person if you weren't running your businesses and creating these content? Like, and then maybe fulfilled is the word. Fulfilled and happy, and then because of that, do you think you could be as great of a parent as you are without being happy yourself? Yeah, I think being a working mom and just being an entrepreneur is like the core of me, and that. That's not all of me, but that is such a big part of me that if I'm not constantly building something or if I'm not constantly creating something, I'm going to feel empty. Mm -hmm. And I know that that's going to reflect onto my children. And so I always tell myself and I have a lot of my other working moms tell me that, you know, you're setting up a good example and also you're able to be your best self. Even though you're not with them 24-7, you're able to be your best self because you're doing what you love. And at the end of the day, that's going to feed off of them. And ener- I really believe in energy. Like I have, I feel like I have good energy at home because I just come home and I feel so fulfilled with what I've done throughout the day. Yeah, I mean, if you're not happy and you're carrying all that negative baggage into the house and then that's affecting the child yeah. and then it's affecting oh, everything else. So let's else. be real for a minute. How many parents are at home? that are on their phones on Instagram while they're present around their children. How many parents are giving what you just said, their hundred percent all in energy to their kids when they're home? Yeah. I mean, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of parents that are home with their kids, but they're not actually present and giving their energy. Yeah. And that's also why like a lot of stay at home mom or dads, they also feel guilty as well, because even though they're there, they're not fully there. So for me, because I have such limited time with my kids, like I see them for maybe two hours in the morning and two hours at night um, before I put them to bed. So I have a no phone rule um, once I get home. So me and my husband, we, you know, get our stories in, get the kids into the stories. So, you know, our followers feel like they're part of the family. And then we kind of put the phones away. And then... Then you're pointing at him. He needs to put his phone away. Are you kidding me? Taylor, back back me up here. Taylor, back me up here. Go ahead. Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead. Yeah. So we created that rule because we realized that Chloe, my oldest daughter, she's four years old now. She knows when we're on our phone and we're not present and then she'll start acting up and she'll start like trying to get our attention. And we're like, why are you acting like this? Why are you acting all crazy? And then we realize that it's because of us. We're realizing that she's acting crazy because she wants our attention. So I told my husband, Alan, I was like, look, let's just not have our phones for two hours. We'll survive. There'll be maybe a few emails here and there that come in, but we're not we're not going to die. Like, I promise we're not going to die. So do you and your husband work together? No, absolutely not. Different. Yeah. I wish I could, but I also wish... No, yeah, I'm I'm glad that we don't actually. <laughs> now that I think of it. there's pros and cons. It's of everything. a lot of pros, but a lot of cons. We have to, <laughs> we have to navigate very carefully. I want to know what your favorite failure is. My favorite failure. Hmm. It could be. It doesn't have to be with business. It can be with anything. I'm a very positive person. I would like to think, and I think even all like failures, they're great because I learned something from them. But I think 
or maybe another way to frame it is what is something that felt like a massive failure at the time, but ended up turning into a massive blessing? Yeah. Because that's kind of how I look at it too. I think that's how, I think that's kind of how we all look at it. Yeah. But at the time, maybe like, holy shit, this is really bad. But then it turns out it was something that led to something better. I think my second pregnancy, (laughs) I think because it wasn't necessarily planned. And when it happened, I was like, shit, (laughs) this again. Did you like being pregnant? Because I feel like I'm not going to like it. I liked being pregnant the first time. I hated it the second time. Yeah. Surrogacy for the second time. (laughs) Surrogacy for the second time. (laughs) You want to make God laugh? Tell me. So you liked the first time and not the second. I did. I had an easy pregnancy the first time. Second was really hard. So yeah. I mean, I can't say that was a failure, but it definitely took us by surprise. And I felt like it came a little, actually a lot earlier than what we were expecting. And so we just had to maneuver everything. We had to change, you know, um, our plans from, you know, because we're in the middle of renovation and all of that. And everything felt like it was falling apart, including my business, because, you know, we I just had to say no to a lot of deals and also um, just stopped doing a few projects that were in the making. So I felt at the time like this couldn't have happened at, you know, any worse time, any better time. And so I honestly thought it was a horrible, horrible situation. But now coming out of it six months into it, I feel like because of that, I've been able to become more organized. I've been able to have, I, I actually sleep so much now which is such a strange thing to say. Like, what's the hours? I need specifics. I sleep anywhere between seven to nine hours a day. What time do you go to bed? I go to bed at 8.30 to 9. That's early. I need to get in bed earlier. So this is why. Um, So I put my oldest daughter to bed. She only wants me to put her to bed. And what happens is that she ends up putting me to bed because I'm so tired throughout the day. And I just pass out with her, which is not planned. And every day I'm like, I'm not going to pass out. I'm not going to pass out. And I always end up passing out. But I end up waking up at like 4.30 or 5. And then that's when I start like doing emails and getting into my routine. So I start my day really early. But because I also end my day really early. Don't you feel that starting early is more beneficial than starting like oh, late? I mean, oh, I, I'm on a big goes. kick to get okay. Lauren early because I'm an early person too. Mm-hmm. And I feel, don't you feel like I'm during those, at night. I can't help it, Michael. those early morning hours when nobody's hitting your inbox <laughs> and nobody's calling <laughs> and nobody's <laughs> messaging you, you just like, it's such a Zen state of focus. Let's take a quick break to talk about my favorite vitamin, Ritual. This is a vitamin that I've been taking for the last year. I love it so much that I spoke with the founder of Ritual recently. We spoke at their cute store on Melrose and she got into each ingredient. It was so cool to hear that she had sourced the folate from Italy, that the irons from Utah, the D3s from UK, just every ingredient was handpicked and really, really researched. It made me feel so good about taking this vitamin. She asked me how I take it. And you guys know that it's by my tongue scraper and my toothbrush. I like to keep everything seamless and optimized in my life. So I want it to be efficient. This is great because I brush my teeth, I scrape my tongue, I take my ritual. It has peppermint essential oil in it, so it gives you like this minty vibe in your mouth as opposed to having that nasty rat, fishy, chalky taste that other vitamins give you. Some standout stars in ritual are omega-3, vitamin B12, love this for energy, vitamin D3, amazing because I'm low on this. I'm sure a lot of you guys are too, especially if you stay out of the sun. It also has magnesium, which gets things going, if you know what I mean. Folate, iron, vitamin E, vitamin K2. Can it get much better? Anyway, we're all so worried about, you know, our kale salads, our green smoothies, but we're probably not getting all the essential nutrients from that. So just taking our ritual in the morning is really, really going to help, especially because it's so obsessively researched. If you're psycho like me, you should also know that Rituals vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free, which we love. It's a subscription service, so you don't have to think about it, okay? It's delivered straight to your door. Better health doesn't happen overnight, and right now Ritual is offering all Skinny Confidential listeners 10% off during your first three months. Fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit ritual.com slash skinny to start your ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at ritual.com slash skinny. I'm telling you guys, Keep this next to your copper tongue scraper. 
I'm with both of you guys because I used to be such a night owl before kids. Like that's like that's when my creative juices started coming in. So I wouldn't sleep until like two or three a.m. because that's I would get all my work done and get all my ideas. I think people are wired differently, but I have to say now I'm a morning person because I know no matter what the the girls are gonna wake up at six thirty on the dot. Um, you have so no choice. I have no choice. And See, I become a morning person. I got an anchor baby, you learn. That's, that's... <laughs> Maybe you guys should just have a baby. And then she'll, then yeah. she'll get on my sleep mm-hmm. schedule. Yep. yep. Can you walk us through your morning routine if you have one? Yes. I'm very specific about the way I wake up. If Michael doesn't wake me up like a cat, it's like downhill. He can't up my cortisol in the morning. So I want to know if you have any non-negotiables in the morning. I do, which is skincare. Um, it's obviously has cut down a lot just due to the girls like the morning time is my most insane busiest time because I have to get two girls ready and out the door so it's just like chaos that's why I do wake up earlier so I could have my peace and silence and do my skincare (laughs) but I always wake up pat my face with cold water just like really cold water and then I go into usually like my at nighttime it's like 10 12 steps but I think in the morning I've condensed it down to like six to seven products You have to walk us through that. Okay. So in the morning, water. So I don't wash my face with any cleanser because I think you're sleeping still with a lot of great products from the night night before. I so agree with you on that. Mm -hmm. And then cleanser also kind of strips your all the good oils. So I don't cleanse in the morning. I only cleanse at night. And then I go into a toner. I usually just use like the, the SK2 toner that I've been using for years. And then from there, I'll go into... Actually, no, sorry, back up. Before that, if my face is puffy, especially when I'm traveling, because I puff up so much when I travel, I hold a lot of water weight on my face. Um, I always have cold spoons in my fridge. Like, I always just keep cold spoons in my fridge. And then I'll just get one and I'll just, like, roll around my face um, to, like, depuff. And then I will go into my toner, my essence, serum, moisturizer... I do a very light daytime oil. I also have an eye cream, uh, morning eye balm just for the morning time. And that's it. I mean, it sounds like a lot, but I could do it within like three minutes. No, no, no. That's yeah. not a lot. Michael has an eight step routine. Oh my so gosh. he's like taking notes. Wow. Maybe not an eight, but like. He, it's, it's, it's an eight. Four it's, or five. I did pick up a tip though to not cleanse in the morning and do it at night. Yeah. It, yeah. It makes sense, right? Yeah. It yeah. makes sense when, when you hear it. Well, Michael you have great have skin. Good... Well, you know what it is is I get to talk to people like you that are experts and we uh-huh. get to talk to doctors. And so like, I would have to be a real moron not to pick up something, you know, but before, if you met me like maybe a year and a half ago, uh-huh. I just looked like shit, just terrible, just well, falling off my face. My husband just like literally last month after being with him for like 10 plus years, just started skincare. I'm like, come on, like now you're starting it. We just didn't know. Nobody told us. Like, it wasn't like, when we were growing, you know, I think a lot of women have the benefit of mothers maybe teaching them about skincare. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have any of that. Hold on. This is a public service announcement. If you're in your bathroom doing your makeup right now, turn it up. All your boyfriends and husbands should be doing a skincare routine. If they want to look the way they look right now, you need to be preventative about this beauty. Guys, you, you got to do like you got to do at least a three step. Well, what yeah. I would say is once I learned, like you just said that you have a lot of steps, but it's mm-hmm. like three minutes. It's not as long as people. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really take that. It's just like shaving or putting hair gel in or yeah, t- brushing your teeth. It's not it's not that difficult. It's so easy. Yeah. You just like, you know, it literally takes three minutes. Who is someone who's your mentor but doesn't know they're your mentor? Oh, Sheryl Sandberg. I love her. I read I've read all of her books. I, you know, I really am empowered by what she stands for and what she's also done just in our generation and just really pushing women forward. Um, I've actually messaged her on Instagram before, but she never messaged me back. So it's fine. Cheryl. When yeah. Cheryl tunes into this episode, yeah. we'll, we'll tell her to message you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, someone that I actually do know is Allie, Allie Webb. And she's just given me great business advice. I think she's done a phenomenal job with Drybar. So Allie being one of them, but I obviously know her. But I, um, I'm lucky enough to get access to her. So. And now squeeze. Yes, and now squeeze. Hi, Allie. How are you? <laughs> <laughs> 
I want to talk about you. You have been an influencer, but you've also built a massive business off that. Can you talk about when you saw that there was white space in the transition that you made? Yeah. So I always knew coming into this because I've always wanted to run my own business. Like if you ask me as a young girl what I want to be, I just told everyone I want to be a boss. Like I didn't know what a boss meant, but I just like the idea that I could boss people around back in the day, like when I was younger. Obviously, there's a lot more to that than that. Um, but when I first started the blog and also YouTube channel, I just knew that I was not a great editor. I knew that I was not a great filmmaker. So in my head, the only way for me to rise to the occasion and actually get my channel somewhere, I have to find the best people to help me. So I always had the mentality of hiring people that are better than you. So Timmy, so Timmy being one of them, he's here somewhere. Hey, I, Timmy. <laughs> he act, We actually met when I first, I think it was like a year into my channel. Oh, wow. You guys have been working together a long time. For a very wow. long time. Yeah. And I met him at a hair salon and he was at art school at the time and or just barely graduated. And we've just been working together and he's always been very artistic and, you know, he has like a very special eye. So he's obviously way better than I am with filmmaking and like his vision, also hiring an editor to help us. So I think from the beginning, I always had that mindset of hiring people better than you in order for you to rise to the occasion. Um, and then once I started hiring one person, I was like, this is great. I could have other people do the stuff that I'm not good at. So I just started to build my team slowly but surely. But everyone, like all the girls, all my peers, um, all my friends are like, oh, you know, how do I have a big team? You know, I want to have a business, more of a business versus just a blog. There's also a downfall to that. And that is you're spending a lot of money that you're making in back into your business. So you can't just like go out and like blow off a paycheck on like... And you're managing yeah, a lot of the time. And you're managing. So so there, the upside is you build an incredible team that can execute your vision. Um, but also the downfall of that is that you're managing. You're, you've gotten yourself into more of a situation where you have to become a people person and know, you know, like we always have six month reviews with them to see what they feel like they're good at, what they're not good at, you know, if they feel like they're progressing, if they're not progressing. So you really have to think for your people and really take care of your people. A lot of emotional intelligence. There, there's lot. such an important thing that where people get caught up, young entrepreneurs, any entrepreneur, mm -hmm. actually, and they're asking the question, what instead of who? Mm -hmm. And I think that's a huge mistake because no matter no matter what you're building, you need the people around you. Like you said, people that are better than you and have other skill sets than you to be able to build that. So, so many entrepreneurs, they get stuck like focusing on this. What? What am I doing? What am I building? Mm -hmm. It's more more important, I think, is to focus on who you're building it with and what that team looks like. Yeah. But another thing that I think is difficult for creatives like yourself and Lauren is releasing a lot of the creative control in order to scale a team. Like you have, you guys are so vested in the creation, but when you start bringing in other people like Timmy and your team, you have to release some of that control in order to scale because you just can't manage, create and do everything all at once. Yeah. I mean, you do your best of ability. You're, you do your best to try to vocalize your vision and to make sure everyone's on the same page, but your vision is your vision. And the only person that could execute it like you do is you. So unfortunately, yes, you're right. You do lose a bit of that control. Um, but as long as you're there to guide them and, you know, even though my team handles the blog and my other, my editorial team handled the blog and then my video team handles our channel, like I still get final approval of everything. So if there's something that feels really off and it doesn't feel like it's coming from me, then we'll scratch it. So it's still a small enough team. We're not like, you know, 50 plus. It, we're still a small team of 15 people where I could still spend enough time with everyone um, to make sure it's still on brand. What does community mean to you? Community to me is everything. I think that is why I started and why I continue to do what I do. Because when I see these women that have been following me since my college years, and now they are thinking about having a baby or they are new moms, a lot of them are new moms. This is a strong community that I built because of just me putting my life out there. So, you know, that is why we've transitioned the just kind of our brand in general to become a bit more real because that is 
we're feeding our community content that they could relate to, that they could also bring back into their real life. So I think community, it's bringing women and men, the few men that follow me, um, together to be able to help each other out. Um, no matter if, whether it's, you know, an outfit or whether it's, you know, navigating through motherhood, whether it's trying to get a job and fashion. So I think the community that we built, we really try to help each other out. What's a mistake that you're seeing influencers make right now in 2019? Oh, I think... This is your your opinion. It doesn't need yeah. to be like dun, dun, dun. set in stone. I mean... Everyone's entitled to their own brand and their own image, but I just see, and I've done this before too, because I'm guilty of this, but I think just saying yes to all the opportunities and saying yes to all these brands that are willing to fly you out, to like pay for you, to, you know, stay at the five-star hotels and you're doing so much for other brands um, and be, being an influencer, an influencer that will really stand the test of time, I, I believe that they have to create their own brand. But a lot of these influencers, I feel like are building other brands. Um, and when you look at them, you're like, oh, you know, who am I following? Am I following this girl because, you know, she's pimping out product all the time? Or is there a message behind you know, the content that she's putting out. So I think, I can't say it's a mistake because again, everyone has their own business and they're entitled to their own way of running their business. But, you know, we really scaled back the past year on sponsorships just because the last year, last two years, we were saying yes to a lot of things. And at the end of the day, at the end of the year, I was like, wow, like we just built at our entire business, this entire year, pimping out other people's brands. Like we need to focus on what's important for us and what's important to me and my community versus always just saying yes to these paychecks. People have a hard time leaving money on the table, short-term money. Short-term money. But if you look at what your brand, if you, if you think about it, like Warren Buffett always says, okay, where do you want to be in seven years? Okay, if you want to be there in seven years, what does this next year look like? What does that mm-hmm. next month look like? But people have a really rough time when someone's dangling a check in front of your face saying, hey, do this right now. And you don't, it, it's easy to take the money, but you have to think about what that what the impact is for your brand in, in the long run. Yeah. And I didn't see it at first. I didn't understand that. But then at the end of the year, I was like, wow shouldn't have done that. <laughs> so I've learned the hard way as well. Let me ask you this. When you look at the landscape now, because you've been you've been doing this since 2010, which is very early. When you think about young creators jumping in the space, if you were advising somebody that wants to start building a brand online, doesn't it doesn't matter what medium, podcast, YouTube, where do you see opportunity for them to jump in and start establishing audience? Because it's a lot more difficult, I think, than when you and Lauren started 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I think you really have to find what your message is, is going back to that. So whether it be fashion or beauty um, and finding that super niche audience, whether it be for a certain type of hair, you know, maybe it's colored skin, uh, maybe it's your, you have to have a message beyond, oh, I'm a beauty blogger, I'm a fashion blogger, because it's such a saturated market at this point. Like, yes, when Laura and I, we started, it there were not many there people were didn't people didn't know what it was i mean when lauren was telling people what she was doing they're like what the hell is that you, they didn't even know exactly i think you were able to be a generalist back then and i was a generalist for a very long time but now i can say my message even though i started with fashion and beauty uh, my message now is helping women just millennial women navigate life through motherhood career and fashion and beauty and for me, it's more it's become more of a lifestyle, but it's very much helping girls navigate through these specific moments of their life, such as motherhood. Um, and of course, there's all this other stuff on the side that we do, but that is like my core message. So finding what your core message is, whether it's like you're in college and you love fashion. So how do you do fashion on a budget, right? For the college girl. So you just have to narrow it down to something so specific and find a really engaged audience. Because I think also when we started, it was all about the numbers. People were just trying to like get as many followers. But now it's more about engagement. Brands are looking at 
engagement more than how many followers you have. I so agree with you. Mm -hmm. I always say that if I were to start out in 2019, I would have an Instagram handle called like that at that Coles girl and everything on the Instagram would just be Coles. Like it would be everything Coles and how to shop on a budget under $100. And I completely know who I was talking to. And this is just an example. Maybe it wouldn't be Coles. Maybe it'd be Macy's or whatever. And I would just really hone in on that. And the long term goal would be to work with that brand and then eventually develop my own brand with in partnership with them. Like you have to be so laser focused on what you're doing now and find that niche and it is cliche to say but it's true it's so true yeah it really is we Um, always say in the podcast space too is like you know there's a lot of people jumping in obviously we got started early on but you may have a big platform but what is the point of differentiation what is the what is that niche topic that you can start covering in the beginning and it's okay over time to start expanding into other things but in the beginning in order to capture and engage an audience and compete with shows like you know maybe like ours that are built 200 episodes Pick that point of differentiation so you can say, okay, this is what I'm specifically getting by going to this show. Yeah, it's important. Yeah, you can't just talk in, to a mic, in, in my opinion. No, I, mean. I think it, 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 whenever people say it's saturated, I always say platforms are not necessarily saturated in terms of like the platform. It's saturated in terms of the way that you can produce content. Like if it's jumping in as I'm another fashion blogger, that's very difficult. Lifestyle blogger, difficult. But if you can talk about something very, very specific, there's no saturation there because it's specific to you. Well, it's, so it's, like, it's like with Netflix. Like, obviously, there's thousands and thousands of television shows. But when Breaking Bad came out, it was such a different... I don't know if you've seen this show. It's You got to watch it. I don't it. think that came out on Netflix, honey. But oh. but, but, but it is a, great, it is a great show. It came <laughs> out and it like blew everyone out of the water. Totally. And if you can do something like that, I think it's super powerful. What are three tips for scaling a YouTube channel successfully? I think, again, the the just platform has changed so much. Back then on YouTube, we were like featured on the front page of YouTube.com just because like they wanted to promote individual creators, which was awesome. And that's kind of how I built my business on YouTube. But it's so different now, right? It's, it's a different beast. I think now you have to have a 360 business, not just a YouTube business. You can't just wake up and be like, I want to create YouTube content and become a YouTuber and create make millions of dollars from that. Just because, again, it's just really hard to do with just the algorithm now. And so I think you just have the the name of the game is just have a business that encompasses kind of everything. So we have a blog, we have the YouTube channel, we have the Instagram, um, you know, you guys have the podcast. So I think you when when people want to create a brand, they could find you in different areas. So if they want to see, let's say this this chat live, then they can go to the YouTube channel and see it. But I think it's really hard now just to create just a YouTube channel. So I think the question should more be about how do we create a business that will also help you grow a YouTube channel? Because even for us, we're struggling to get more subscribers. It's not like what it used to be. Well, it's smart too, because then you're not completely platform dependent. Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot of exposure for people who have only built their brand on Instagram and have no YouTube, no podcast, no blog, no, no other channels. Because like you said, when these platforms become very algorithmic based and pay to play platforms, which we've seen start to happen on platforms like Facebook and Instagram, then you're like, oh shit, I don't, I'm not getting the same reach. I'm not getting the same engagement. And I don't have anything else to protect me. Like, I still think email newsletters are extremely important. People don't put a lot of, but it's a platform you control. I'm subscribed to the Chriselle Factor. Oh, oh my God. See? I love your newsletter. Thank you. And I got to call that out. And I wish I called this out earlier in the show. Your newsletter is is awesome. It provides value. I'm always clicking it. It's not salesy. Just really, you should tell my audience to subscribe because it is it is a really great newsletter. All right, please subscribe yeah. to the Factor fam. That's yeah, our newsletter. Okay. <laughs> but you see, but the, you, that's not, you control that. Like you don't have to worry about any algorithms there like that. You know, people may, their open rates may go down, but you still control that. You control your blog. You control like the podcast. We control like whether it's pushed to Apple, iTunes, Spotify. It doesn't matter. We're not platform dependent. And I think it's so important for creators to understand by building on multiple platforms, you eliminate a lot of that exposure. Yeah. And I think that's going back to the conversation of community, because if you are dependent on Instagram to make your business off of Instagram, do you guys remember that day that Instagram broke and like no one was able to use Instagram? Yeah, Lauren was having a full meltdown. Well, who was it? <laughs> I mean, everyone was. I didn't know what to do with my hands. I was like. (laughs) Well, that's an example. Like we have no control over that. And what Mm -hmm. if like Instagram just decided like they're never going to bring it back up? Then 
if your business is just on Instagram, you're screwed. Like you don't have a business. So you, I'm always a believer on don't be dependent on outside resources that you cannot control. So we have the emailer. We also, it's important to have a blog, even though a blog isn't, you know, what it used to be. It doesn't get kind of, it's not the number one moneymaker for us anymore. And I think a lot of bloggers are also feeling this as well. But you control that. You own that. That content, you could push out anytime. So I think it's really important that influencers, in order to build a brand, you have to have your own, something that you control and not have someone else own it. Yeah, and all those platforms, other thing, I mean, not we're not so controversial, but there's people that just get kicked off platform or get mm. banned. And I'm not saying any of us are doing that, but when that happens, if you have a type of brand that can't, that is exposed to that, what do you do? I, yeah. I just read, um, I finished this book called Ladies Who Punch, and it's all about The View and all the politics of the show The View. Oh. And it's such a good book. But I, it's so interesting as an influencer to read this book because it shows how there's so many top-tier people in a network, like a television network, that control you and what you say. And I can't imagine, you know, getting on this mic and having to worry about 15 other people and what, like, they think is going to come out of my mouth. That's so much pressure. That's a lot of pressure. Yeah, so it's so nice to be able to have a platform like a podcast or a blog. You're so right that you control the narrative. I mean, we can literally say anything here and there's nothing anyone can do to take it off. <laughs> if you want to remove it on a, a, there's so many platforms this can go to that it's just like, there's, there's, I mean, you could say the most outlandish things and we have, and, and, we, and, we have. and but, but that's what I'm talking about, about platforms you control. And if, in, in, you know, these platforms like YouTube or Facebook or Instagram, they're not all like that. You can do things there that could, you know, basically eliminate that portion of your business. And so you have to, you have to build things across multiple platforms and especially build things that you control. Yeah. I have to do a plot twist. You've had two kids and you look amazing. Oh. What are some health tips? Just have kids and you'll be so stressed out that you're just going to lose the weight. Maybe <laughs> I'll have kidding. kids now, Michael. Maybe. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, that's actually kind of true because after having two kids, you literally have to figure out how you're going to have time to feed yourself. And that's actually been like every day I'm like, okay, I forgot to eat because I just fed my kids and I like, I have to run to the next thing. So I'll just like grab a coffee and said, so unhealthy. I know it's not a health tip, but, um, I do have to become healthier, but luckily through breastfeeding and just being crazy busy, I've been able to kind of shut off the baby weight. Um, but there are other parts that you don't see that are quite flappy that I really need to work on just because it's just, you know, I don't see the flap. It, for after knowing what you and your husband know now, after two, what advice would you have for Lauren and I? What are we in for? Because we were talking a little offline. I don't know if you're ever ready, but what should we be aware of? Because we're, we're kind of going into this blind. Well, af right after you give birth, it's not pretty. Like, no one's pretty after giving birth. E even though you see that on Instagram, um, you are, for me, I was like literally my worst self. So... For the men out there that are listening, you just have to be prepared to see your significant other as their worst self and still love them uh, phys I mean, physically and emotionally and mentally. I'm more scared about the mental part of it. Mental is kind of crazy. Like, where's the very hormonal still after giving birth? I, like, the amount of times I lashed out on Alan for no reason... And I thought I was being so sane and he was being crazy, but no, it was like the complete opposite. Lauren, Taylor, Taylor, pull that clip, save it so that when this happens, we can, I can have it on repeat on my phone so I can play it. <laughs> Taylor, do, do not fuck that up. Pull that clip. I'm going to save that. Lauren. I'm going to save that just in case when we're I going. I don't know how it can get worse than me on my period, but I guess it can. Oh my God. Okay. So I just got to be, so, okay. So what advice would you have for me? I just got to be... You have to kind. really be kind, patient, just tell her how beautiful she is, even though okay. she doesn't look beautiful. Like, you know, you just have to fill her up with so much love. You have to be on call okay. um, if she needs anything because she's not going to be able to walk afterwards because she just pushed out like an eight pound baby. So you just have to be ready at all times to be there for her pretty okay. much taylor pull that clip as well so, so i'll have, a, I'll have a reminder it. no i'm gonna play it i'll play the first one imagine she can play pushing an eight one. pound baby out of your penis hole i'm not <laughs> pretend listen any man out there that tries to pretend like they can relate to this i am not listen yeah. I, I want you to imagine I, that. women are the, that's how big the hole is i i'm like bowing down 
Right. It's it's gnarly. Like after giving birth, you will view the woman's body as absolutely something insane because, like, obviously we all know that we can give birth, but when you actually see it, you're like, "Holy shit!" Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Help you taking notes. What else? I mean, no sleep. Oof. I mean, also um, not right after giving birth, but I highly rec- recommend couples because I actually just started it. But seeing couples therapy. I, I'm I've never I'm Asian, so therapy was never a thing that was talked about mm-hmm. in our families, and it was actually kind of um, taboo to actually go to a therapist. So it was really awkward for me at first to like bring it up to Al and be like, "Oh, we should see a therapist." Not that we have any problems, but if we do have problems in the future, like this will allow us to just you know, be able to speak our thoughts without like having to worry about hurting each other. And we started seeing one and it's been one of the greatest things. I think us. it's important. My mom's half Japanese. So uh-huh. you probably would never know that. Wow. Um, my, my grandma's full. And like, there was not a lot like those types of conversations or therapy conversations. That was yeah. never part of the dialogue growing yeah. up. Like it's just not a, it's just not an Asian thing. I don't want to generalize all Asians, but it's, it's just no. not. I mean, I'm Asian. I could say that like, yeah. it's, can it's I? not common. I can't, I don't know if I can, cause I'm quarter. I don't have an, I don't know if I have enough. Asian. Yeah, I don't your know if I grandma's say it. full Asian. Yeah, well, she's the cutest. That's so cool. I can kind of see it now. Yeah, my sisters That's you why see you it have more. great skin. Uh huh. That makes sense. That's <laughs> the only reason I married him. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, there was no. It was just like no talking about it. Deal with it. Mm-hmm. Be fine. Sweep it under the rug. Keep going. Yeah. You know? Leave our audience with a beauty product that they need. Something. It could be anything, but a beauty product that is has been a ride or die that you're obsessed with that everyone needs. It's worth the splurge or maybe it's a drugstore product. Okay. Moisturizer that I've been using for probably a year and a half now since it launched, I believe. I have oily skin, so I love being super moisturized, but if I over moisturize then I will break out. Like I will have little like uh, acne spots that pop up immediately. So the La Mer Moisturizing Cool Gel I've always wanted to use La Mer, but their general moisturizer was thick, for, too thick for me, and I would immediately get clogged pores from it. Um, but their moisturizing cool gel is literally the only moisturizer that I've been using for the past year and a half, and it's so great for oily skin. It's really great for combination skin um, to still feel really moisturized and hydrated without getting clogged up. You know what's fun is Michael has just discovered my La Mer. And the other day, he went into my cool gel, opened it up. Is that what that was? Used I it. I like the cool gel there, got too. Got into bed, didn't realize that La Mer has a distinct smell, so I could smell exactly what he did. She caught uh, me. And then proceeded to leave the top off overnight. Well, I wow, fucked that up. Divorce. That's yeah. a sin. It was. It, I, I felt, I even felt, I was like, okay, that's If much. I ever see you in my bathroom again, that. Well, it's, she's getting, you the know. The key to marriage is separate bathrooms. She had. Stay out of my La Mer. She's greedy with the La Mer. She won't even yeah, share. Yeah, it's my La Mer. She gives me like the secondary yeah. products. I mean, it's not cheap. So, I know, I know. Yeah. He's using it as a moisturizer. We just on had his um arms. Do you know Georgia Louise? <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't I, I don't go that far. Yes, you're like I, yeah, I came in and you're like using it on your knees. You I'm know like, what, what I, are you doing? I, I haven't, but I bet it'd be good for the tattoos. I bet it would keep them nice <laughs> and do you know do you know Georgia Louise? Have you, she's, she's amazing. She's mm-hmm. a La Mer ambassador. She, she was just on the show. So maybe you would she, love her. Georgia, I need some I need some La Mer. No, Hook it okay, up. Okay. Hook me up. All right. <laughs> Book resource podcast that you recommend to our audience before you go. I know you're a huge podcast listener, so selfishly, I would like to know what you're listening to. I listen to a lot of business podcasts because I I just love learning about business and how to build a business. I love how I built this. It's a great and one. I've listened to probably every episode. Wow. Accidental Creative. Have you guys heard of that Never one? Never heard of that one. Oh my gosh. I'm downloading it right now. It's the best, especially when you're running a business as a creative and you have like a small team. So it teaches you all about how to work with the creative team, but still be super punctual and still like efficient and still create, still create and still do business. Cause as you know, like mm-hmm. business and creatives kind of sometimes don't work well together. Um, creatives just want to be creatives and business people just want to, you know, be, do business. 
Oh, perfect. Like perfect. you guys, right? Yin and yang. Yeah. So you guys should definitely listen to the Accidental Creative. That's another one that I've been listening to like almost every episode. I started listening to you guys, getting confidential. I think you guys have such an amazing dynamic. Thank you. Um, I was nice. like, oh, I should have brought my husband to be on this with us. Come that would have been fun. We come back. Husband. He's so inappropriate. Oh, but, perfect. Which I feel have like you, you guys heard all about. I'm scared of which perfect. episodes you've heard because when you talk about inappropriate, like our we... last episode was all about dildos. So <laughs> Yeah, I haven't. I haven't listened to that one. Yeah, but my husband. I'll send you. I'm going to send you a select list, and we'll just start. We'll start there because we got to be Bring careful. Bring your husband on next time. Okay, I yeah. will. He, you guys will have like everyone that meets him. They're always like, "Oh, when are we going to see him next?" I'm like, "What about me?" We just had Jessica and Cash on as like a ah. as a like a husband wife. Yeah. So it's fine. So it's, come back on, and it? it gives me a, it gives me a, a male to talk, talk to. to. We can hang out. You know, anytime you want to come back on, we can talk. We can ask his perspective of being married to you too. Okay. Oh gosh, it's okay. fine. Pimp yourself out. Where can everyone find you? TheChriselleFactor.com and also Chriselle Lim is my Instagram handle, and YouTube is Chriselle Lim. Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you. You guys were awesome. Hope this episode with Chriselle brought you guys tons of value. As always, tell me your favorite part of this episode on my latest Instagram at the Skinny Confidential, and we'll slide into your DMs and send you a hot pink pop socket. They're so cute. I have them on my phone. You can add them to your iPad, whatever you want. They're sparkly too. For updates on the podcast, you can always follow us at TSC Podcast or check out tscpodcast.com. This episode is brought to you by Four Sigmatic, one of our favorite companies, one of our favorite sponsors. Four Sigmatic specializes in superfoods, medicinal mushrooms, and adaptogenic herbs, and they make drinking mushrooms and superfoods delicious and easy to do with their mushroom coffees, mushroom superfood blends, and mushroom elixirs. If you are looking for a coffee alternative to switch up your caffeine intake, Four Sigmatic has the blends for you. They're all delicious. Just open a pack and add to hot water. They don't taste like mushrooms, and like always, we have a special offer just for the him and her listeners. Go to foursigmatic.com forward slash skinny and enter promo code skinny at checkout for 15% off your entire order. This episode is brought to you by Ritual. You guys know I'm a human guinea pig and I'm still here taking Ritual and loving it. Okay. It's filled with iron, vitamin E, magnesium, folate, and omega-3. Kind of everything. It's made in the USA without synthetic fillers. 95% of women do not get the vitamins and minerals they need on a daily basis. So Ritual created a smarter vitamin with the nine essential ingredients women lack most. Go to ritual.com slash skinny today to choose clean ingredients backed by science. Sign up now at ritual.com slash skinny. 